time to do a little talking travel. We do that with our travel guide, Sally Lucas, who will be a bit all over the place today. Good afternoon, Sally. I know you'll start with the moon, but a whole lot of other things. <laughs> a whole lot of other things, yes. But I thought, why not start with the moon, seeing as we've got this wonderful occurrence this week of the super blue moon. So we're lucky to be able to experience that. And I thought, let's talk about other places where you can experience this natural phenomena. All right, we'll get into that, plus uh, a little cash and some cruising as well. Absolutely. Continue with Talking Travel with our travel guide, Sally Lucas, who has been captivated by the super blue moon, Sally. It's going to put you in a bit of a, a sky kind of a mood this week. Yeah, I'm starstruck. Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, starting with New Zealand, Mark, um, where you can get some of these wonderful celestial experiences, and they're called Dark Sky, and you've actually got to be um, nominated, if you like, and then declared an official Dark Sky area. So there are places in the world where you can actually visualise the most beautiful sky in the world with the help of a guide. Some It could be an individual guide. Some of them have got their own individual uh, like telescopes so they can be mobile. That's pretty so, cool. Which is very cool because then if it's a bit cloudy, they move on, you know, to another area. Or you can go, of course, to observatories and all these different places as well to, to do this. But having said that, when we did the Warren Bungles recently, um, that was back in April, you've got the Siding Springs Observatory there, which we went and did a, a tour of. But even just coming home, I can't think of the little town we stopped at, but we just had a cooked a barbecue out of the back of our troopy and then we just sat out there and looked at the night sky. And when you've got no lights around you, you know, it is astounding and absolutely beautiful. And it would have been lovely, I must admit, to have had someone with us on that night that could explain everything that we were looking at. So, yeah, I think if you're somewhere in Australia or this one was about New Zealand I was reading about, and it's in a beautiful part of New Zealand, the South Island, down near Mount Cook at Lake Tekapo. And there are various different companies there that will can take you on, you know, an, an observation of the night sky. But it's not only the... Um, constellations and the asterisms that are usually known by their Latin, Greek or scientific names in New Zealand, the Maori also have defined and named collections of stars in the sky uh, from centuries ago. And again, I guess like our Indigenous people do very similar, don't they? And they have Mm. their own names for everything. So they use them to sort of mark the time and the seasons of the year, to connect them to their ancestors, to navigate. Um, And in some cases, over thousands of kilometres over an open ocean, they used to be able to navigate by the sky. Amazing, isn't it? We now need a GPS to go from home to work. (laughs) (laughs) And yet in times gone by, people could start on one part of the world, end up completely the opposite side, navigating simply by what was uh, was freeing up above them. It's so true, Matt. My my daughter-in-law never ceases to amaze me. She won't go anywhere without using the GPS on her phone or her car. Mm. And I say, just you know, look up a map, just have a think about it. Otherwise, to me, you never get familiar yeah, with where you're going. Yeah. If you're just not looking at the roads and working out where to go, you know, you're always thinking, oh gosh, how do I get there? Anyhow, that's another story, isn't it? But look, yeah, this area is just a beautiful part of New Zealand anyway, as I mentioned. But if you're not going to New Zealand, just to let you know where some of the other dark sky reserves are, um, it's the largest in the Southern Hemisphere, by the way, that one. But as I mentioned earlier, there's the one in the Warren Bungle uh, uh, area, which is the dark sky park in central New South Wales, just near Coonabarabin, with the Siding Spring Observatory and it's got the largest telescope in Australia. But when we were there, there was I, we just thought it was Australian. There's all these countries in the world have all got telescopes there because it's a very apparently clear part 
to see this sky. So there's Polish, there's Italian, there's everyone's got a telescope just about there that you can imagine. Just happens to be that part of the world is just is just right for the perfect just right. conditions. Yeah. Just, yeah, just perfect conditions, and that's why they established it there. Um, there also is one in the Murray River called the River Murray Dark Sky Reserve, which is 100 kilometres east of Adelaide in South Australia. It was accredited in 2019, where we just were recently in Wales. The the um, Brecon Beacons Park has got a sky reserve as well in there. And that park is a beautiful park in the southern part of Wales. It's delightful. Um, and another park you can go to is in France, in the Pyrenees. There's a UNESCO World Heritage Site there. In the United States, there is a dark sky park on the high desert region of central Oregon. And in Japan, you've got the Iramote Ishigaki Dark Sky Park, which is the country's southernmost park on the Ayama Islands. And even in Korea, there's a Firefly Dark Sky Park on the coast about four and a half hours from Seoul. So these are wonderful places if you're in any of these countries and if it's the weather's right and you've got a lovely clear sky and you've got the time to do this, you know, just sitting out and just immersing yourself and just learning a little bit more about those wonderful, you know, constellations, etc., that are in the sky, I think is just fascinating. And particularly as well, we, we think of travelling, Sally, and, and the sights that we can see. I mean, this quite often is a, a cost involved, but when you're looking straight up into the sky, these are things that are, you're already there, it's just free and it's so amazing and we quite yeah. often don't take the advantage of it that we should. No, and there's lots of free things you can do in the world, you know, even in every city you'd mm. go to and some of these people, you've got lots of students who'll give you free walking tours because they want to practice their English and they're happy to show you around the city, you know. So there's some interesting things you can do. And don't forget, we've only, we've got our own uh, Aurora Borealis, which you can see down in Tassie in the southern areas. So you don't have to go all the way to the North Pole. That's true. Sally, there's a, a few ways that we can all take advantage of cruising as well. There certainly is these days. I mean, the world's your oyster with cruising from you know, the smallest of small to the largest of large, whether it's river, ocean, whatever. But river cruising is an easy way to explore, particularly if there are people out there who get seasick. You, you, you know, you can do a river cruise and, and you'll be fine. Um, you're not in an open ocean. So, and the, and the other good thing about it is it's you're more like a, a boutique hotel rather than a ship. And so you've got all lovely amenities on board and you're, you're moving slowly, but you're also ashore every day. So there's none of this open water sailing or anything like that. So that's what you've got to remember. But also just remember, it's not a floating prison either because you can get on and off <laughs> as often as you like. You're not going to be sent to the naughty corner if you if you don't join the organised shore excursions. Like you might like to, they often have bikes on board now. You might like to go and do your own thing, have a bike ride, have a tour. You know, take a half day off occasionally for your own adventure, especially if you're revisiting places you've been before. And the thing is with river cruises, you're often docked within easy walking distance of your town centre. So it makes it very easy for you to get out and just, you know, enjoy, soak up everything that's there. Escape for an early morning walk or even a post-dinner walk, particularly in summer when it's light till 10 o'clock at night. You know, it's a perfect thing to do, and especially when you're being fed so well. It's nothing wrong with yeah, going out absolutely. and Absolutely. Get a bit of a walk. To, <laughs> having a walk in. And, yeah. not, and not just to the buffet and back either. <laughs> Those longer walks. Yeah. And also pack light. Like, you're not living in a... Tokyo apartment, so you'll find cabin and storage space on any ship really is limited. And, and how many pairs of shoes do you really need? So, and that's that depends always, on who you ask, Sally. It, it does, and do you know it's the one thing everybody says they have difficulty with is 
the shoes when they're packing? Well, they are bulky, number one. But as we've said before and we've talked about packing, stuff them with things. Stuff them with socks and with shampoo and soaps and all your other little bits and pieces. And so you're making use of your shoe. It is empty inside, so make use of it. But yeah, just a, a good pair of walking shoes because, again, you've got cobblestone streets in, in most of these towns, as you can imagine. So you want to make sure you're not going to fall over and hurt yourself. Um, and then have a pair of just nice, like maybe for a lady, a, a court shoe and then maybe a sandal or a flip-flop so that you want your feet to breathe at the end of the day and give your feet a nice bit of fresh air and that just limits you. And, and the thing is you don't, it's no, it's not dressing up, you know what I mean? It's mm. it's being comfortable, casual, comfortable, smart. And there's always people on board, of course, that will help you and give you advice as to you know, what you would like to do. And as I said, you, you've just got, if you want to explore um, and have more time, when you travel downstream, you get more time than when you're travelling upstream because of the, the flow of the river, if you can understand what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So, and also, like at the end, don't don't just rush off. So if you're finishing a cruise in Amsterdam or Budapest or even if it's in Ho Chi Minh City, you know, get off, have a few days there, soak up where you're starting and finishing as well to make the most of it. So hopefully that might help just yeah, a few tips for river cruising. Absolutely. And uh, we hear so much, Sally, uh, about uh, cash, and we know there are less cash transactions. <laughs> I think in Australia it's down to about 9% of all uh, noted transactions now. Um, so the question is, in terms of holidaying yes. around the world, is it dead? Is it not? Is it alive? Well, it, it is, and it, I think it will be for some time because there are still markets, and I came across this in Paris, taxi drivers who only want cash. Mm. And I think that's going to happen for quite a while. But you can be, for example, in Italy, for example, and you might be paying for lunch and they say, oh, it's 34 euros. And then, But if you say, oh, I've got cash, they might say, oh, 30 will do. And then you're not just paying, you know, fees to finance the finance companies. For sure. So, you know, sometimes if you offer cash, they'll say, yeah, fine, you know, they'll give you a rebate or a discount. But, yes, tax- taxi drivers, particularly like in Greece or Turkey, no, you've got to be joking. Like, you you wouldn't be able to use a card almost there at all. Mm. So don't think cash is dead. I mean, everyone's going for this contactless payments and everything now, but you will find in some countries, yes, like you go into the Scandinavian countries and they're virtually no cash. Um, so just check with each country, check with your travel agent, you know, about whether you think, should I take some cash? And I would say yes. And another interesting thing I read in um, one of the travel um, supplements the other day, sorry, is that uh, someone went to a um, a bank and just sort of said, oh, look, you know, what's the best thing I could use to travel? They just said, just use your ATM card. Because by the time you start fiddling around, if, if you don't withdraw it every other five minutes or use it all the time. The thing is, you can use it now, like a lot of the places, for example, in London and in Paris, you can just use your card to buy your, uh, to go through onto your train. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I know even in in Australia, we started by having to have the Opal card, for example, but then that moved to becoming just your your normal card as well. Although I would have to say it probably doesn't hurt to have at least more than one option uh, to withdraw your money because you never know that a card doesn't work or something happens. You don't want to be completely tied up and not have access to funds. No, we always make sure we we only might get one for the particular trip. You know, we'll look Mm. up which is the best, which was the wise card, which I've noticed since we've come home, it's been written up as one of the best ones to get wise um, and you can just 
treat it like it's your own bank and you can just make withdrawals, you can, you know, make put more money into it, et cetera, et cetera. And, yeah, it was, and they were very quick in issuing the card as well, uh, very, very quick because we did it at the last minute and we thought, oh, gosh, have we got enough time? But we got it in less than a week. That's pretty cool. So so that was good. But, yeah, I, I always, even at home, I still carry some cash with me, you know, not, not heaps, but I've always got, I know a lot of people don't, I do, and I guess it's just the way I was brought up and the era I was brought up in. But I don't think it hurts to always have a small amount of local cash on you wherever you go because it just might come in handy. Yeah, whether it's around the world or around the corner. Exactly right. To it, you are FM 103.7. Wrapping up with Sally Lucas, our travel guide for Talking Travel today. As always, Sally, you've been scouring all over the place to find the hottest deals, and I can see some literal flames jumping off those pages, so we better get into it. What have you got for us? Okay, firstly, Club Med. They've got savings of up to 30% at the moment. Best price guaranteed, early bird sale. Uh, book a holiday with travel dates between uh, from now through till this is for this year, like us getting rid of the last-minute little vacancies there. Uh-huh, the bits and pieces. Yep. That, yep. So you can save up to 30% if you're travelling between now and the 16th of December, so just keep keep that in mind. Uh, within Australia, we've got that beautiful Kimberley region we talk about a lot, Mark. Um, there's a couple of tours there that are fantastic, a 16-day and a 13-day. Now, if you book by 30 September, they've got savings of up to $2,900 per couple on the 16-day and 2800 on the 13-day. They're different itineraries. One's just purely doing the Kimberley in depth, which is the 16-day. Um, the 13-day is actually a, a one-way trip where you finish up on the Mitchell Plateau and it includes a flight to Darwin at the end. So you're actually finishing in Darwin. Both incredible itineraries. Also, there's an early bird deal based on uh, May and June 2024 departures. This is a nine-day journey on the Indian Pacific. So this is fantastic and it's including all your sightseeing, just about everything you can imagine, the various different departures from now right through till next year. The costs will vary depending on the month of travel and the availability, as usual, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. But it was normally over $6,000 and it's now under four and a half for those May and June departures with some supplements for other additional months as well on that. So keep that in mind. Beautiful journey to do. The most beautiful voyage in the world, they always describe this one, which is the Hurti Gruten Norwegian Coastal Express. So it, it's a lovely uh, 23, this, the remaining of this year and also into 2024. Um, and don't forget, they've got that Northern Lights promise that we've mentioned before. If you don't appear, if they don't appear during the season that they're due to appear, you can get a seven-day cruise for free. And at the moment, up to 25% off for the second person travelling. So that is great. Japan has become the flavour of the month. We have just got so many people travelling to Japan at the moment, it's unbelievable. So there is some lovely itineraries out there as well. In-depth Japan, again, with nearly all the inclusions, um, meals, just some love going to Hiroshima, going to Osaka, Miyajima, Kyoto. Um, this is a Japan discovery and it's um, available with no hidden extras. Everything's included, airfares, the lot. So and this is with Bunnik Tours and they do that with a lot of their itineraries. So you, there's no hand in the pocket. So once you've paid for it, it's it's up front and that's it. And there is something reassuring to be said about that. Once you've once you've sent that first check off, the, the rest is just enjoying. You don't have to, like you it, said, be finding more funds, whether they be cash or otherwise. Well, that's the same with Club Med, as we just talked about their special earlier. You know, all your meals included, your wine, anything you do 
on the resort or at the club or resort is included. It's only if you go away that you've got to pay for any extras. So I think any holiday like that is great, especially for families, because even with Club Med, they even include things like ice creams and drinks for the kids. So you're not, and the kids aren't coming up, Dad, Mum, can well, you give me money to buy such and such? Ice creams for the big kids too? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they'd give you an ice cream, Mark. <laughs> um, also, there's a lovely, uh, Scenic have got a lovely France up to luxury river cruise. When we're talking about river cruising, it's Normandy and the Gems of the Seine. It's an extraordinary 11-day journey along the Seine, doing some incredible places, Rouen and, yeah, as I said, Enfleur and just, just fabulous. Book by 30 September and you get economy flights included plus a bonus hotel night and a Parisian city tour and they all have, have some really exclusive business class <coughs> offers as well. So that's it for the week. Lots of great deals there. And Sally, you'll be on tour yourself over the next yes, few weeks. You'll, yes, you'll very be, exciting. You'll be doing talking travel on location. So on location. I'm, I'm sure you'll have a few um, very up-to-date pointers on some travelling that you're actually going through. Well, you know, well, Carrie from Getaway better look out, hey? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> All right, Sally, enjoy your holiday, but we'll be catching up with you over the next few weeks we as well. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> 